0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. So God is good. And all the time, God is good. He is indeed. And it's good to be together and good to be here as his children, as his people, and uh, we look forward to his blessing. Who wants to be blessed today? Oh, yes. Good. That's two of you. Who wants to be blessed today? No. <laughs> no, that's... I see we're going to go a long way today. Well, it's all very, very good. It's, um, it is really good to be here. Um, letterbox dropping sounds really exciting. I like the idea of keeping the sausages warm. Book me a place. Somebody whose name won't be mentioned, he's probably probably called Simon, suggested that I be assigned Bartholomew Road, which is the steepest road in Lobethal, isn't it? He's just keeping me fit as long as he's had an ambulance at the top of the hill, it'll all be good. It is good and we're doing this uh, time of uh, Missions May at Hills Baptist. Before we go there, next week Heather and I won't be here, we... Uh, We're planning to attend Sterling Family Church where our our oldest daughter is speaking next week, so we'll go along there. But we'll miss you all. It's really good to be here and to be part of what God is doing. Before I come to the Word, I think it would be good if we were to pray for King Charles. How many of you saw or dipped in last night a little bit to the to the, the the English do that well, don't they, in terms of all of that? but that aside, um, it would be good to pray, we pray for the nations, we pray for all sorts of issues across our world. There are There are so many things happening in our world, yeah, and it's good sometimes to get I used to call it a myopic view blown out, so we can actually see and feel. Part of what's happening actually in in May's missions month is just to get our focus on what's happening in different parts of our our whole globe. So would you join me as I'll just lead us in prayer, I'll, I'll pray for one or two of those things and pray for King Charles as he officially now starts his reign. Dear Father, we thank you for your grace we come to you, Lord, and we come to you, Jesus. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we bow before you. We want to pray for our world of, of, of which we are part, the world you love so much that you sent your son to die for, for it. In our own hearts and lives right now, we lift to you at least one or two places in this world where there's strife, where there's problems, where there's tension. And I invite you in this moment, you pray for that situation that's close to you. And when you finish doing that, pray for a missionary person or organisation that you know or support somewhere other than Australia or perhaps in parts of Australia. Pray for those things. And as we come to uh, to conclude this little time of prayer with you, Father, we pray for King Charles, that uh, he will be able to live within the promises that he has made before you and before millions of people. We do pray for him. We pray for others right across this world who are leaders that each one of them might actually acknowledge you and bow before you as King of kings and Lord of lords and may seek you, seek your wisdom, seek your guidance and seek your love. This we ask in Jesus' very precious name. And everybody said together, Amen. Two words have gripped me a bit as we are talking today on the topic of praising God for his mission, that's the uh, assignment that I was given, which I'm very happy to work with. But as I have had it for a few weeks and been thinking and thinking about how can I how can I attack this? How can I work my way through this? How can I help God's people gra- grapple with this whole idea of praising God for his mission, praising God for what he's doing? And, Two words jumped out at me. The first is praise, and the second is mission. Praise and mission. Say praise. Good. And mission? Mission. Praise and mission. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about what it means for us as his people to praise God for what he's doing. So it's interesting. When we hear words like that, we all hear things and understand them quite differently. Most likely, each one of us in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, will have our own ideas, our own understanding of what mission is. As Belinda talked about mission and missionaries, you heard certain things that you immediately resonate with or perhaps you grapple with. And uh, the same goes for praise. If, if we had time for an open forum, I'd, I'd love to have an open, open forum, those some of us aren't real keen on getting in small groups and discussing things so we won't go there relax it's okay all good um, but if we had time for that it would be it'd be simply wonderful to push our ideas around together i i love doing that i love hearing the thoughts the experiences the learnings of god's people there is so much knowledge in this room do you know that there's so much knowledge in this room about God and about who he is and about what he does. Uh, I guess, as an aside, small groups are the place where we do that, where we, where we have the freedom to uh, engage in talking with one another and, and learning to agree or disagree or how can I gain in this. I, this is another little aside, but when I was leading Tasmanian Baptist, I led a team... Of people, And one of the things we used to do was get together monthly and we would push the word of God around together for the best part of a whole morning. Just we wanted to hear God and what he was saying for us as a movement at the time. You with me? And I came to see, even though I've been a pastor for years and years, um, I came to see how valuable that is to hear what other people have got to say about God and his word. I was, I was intrigued last night to watch King Charles as the Bishop uh, the uh, Bishop of Canterbury the archbishop gave he reminded Charles that you've got nothing more than the word so that said what is praise what's happening when people praise and and what is mission by the way mission is such a loaded term in today's church and And actually out there as well, if you walk into any shop or business or check out a website or go to a company website or even a government department and you won't have to look long and you will find somewhere a mission statement. Sometimes it's a bit mouldy and stuck to the window of the shop. Sometimes it's bright and vibrant, but there will be a mission statement. This is what we're here. This is what we're, we're doing. People... People do that these days. But throw into that, into the mix as well the term missional. Do you know the term missional? If you use the term missional in your conversation with somebody today, you'll be on a winner. People love talking about being missional. We're a missional group. We're a missional church. And then there's the word missionary. That's an interesting word. I grew up in a household where my parents, uh, evangelical Christians, often had missionaries come and stay with us and that was an altogether different kind of experience you know and I, I they bring people of all kinds of backgrounds and cultures and so forth to us my introduction a missionary as distinct from a church grower by the way <laughs> uh, back home of course you wouldn't be missionaries would you yeah. <laughs> well if you if 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 uh, we think of a missionary as somebody who's responded to God's call to serve him overseas or in a cross-cultural setting, but that could be anywhere. And incidentally, if you are a born-again follower of Jesus and you're one of his disciples, you are a missionary. You are on mission. And in early Baptist history and theology, that was really strong to be a Baptist was to be a missionary and an evangelist. How about that? So we owned it so much as we broke away from the then-established Church of England. So these are loaded kind of terms, and I've had to try and grapple with what are we talking about here? There's a lot, I guess, of intellectual and heart work to be done when we say we're going to praise God for his mission. And then praise is something that happens when we put something or someone above ourselves and we acknowledge ability or greatness greater than ourselves. Worship is always the lesser to the greater, yeah? Always the lesser to the greater. And we praise people, for instance, uh, and only as an example, who are better, for instance, at a certain sport than we are. We acknowledge that they are. We give them praise for what they're doing. Or you might praise somebody for the brilliant piece of knitting they've just done or needlework, yeah? C.S. Lewis, in Reflections on the says or pointed out something along these uh, lines years ago when he suggested that, When human beings praise God, they only do what they do kind of naturally. We just praise people for what or or things. Actually, we praise for what concerns us or grips us most or what we care about, his words, what we care about. And if you think about that, that's true. We get excited about about, about the things we value most. That's why I turned the football off yesterday because I couldn't bear the thought of... Geelong being be, uh, winning again Amen. and fortunately we had some, uh, I'll meet you afterwards brother, uh, I'll shake your hand, fortunately we had some visitors come right when the footy was on and I was spared and I've taped it but I'm not going, you don't need to know this anyway do you? But there are there are many biblical words for praise in Old Testament and New Testament and Hallelujah is one we know, isn't it? Hallelujah, which is about lauding and magnifying and boasting about something. And then in the Greek doxology, we, we used to sing the doxology. Who could, there's some older people here who might remember singing the doxology in church. One or two hands. It's about giving glory to God. And then mission is what Jesus was on about. He told us what mission is. Isn't he? His is the mission of redemption lost people, uh, found and saved for eternity with the Father. In that, if you read that story in Luke 19 of Zacchaeus who had to climb a tree because he so much wanted to see Jesus, yes? And he found Jesus and Jesus welcomed him home. And then when, when, when people were at Jesus for what he did, he said, oh, I, I've come to seek and save the... The lost. And in another place in Luke's gospel, he says, "I," when he was being accused of hobnobbing with people who weren't quite socially fitting, he says, "Well, you know, um, well, people don't need a doctor." He knew what his mission was, and if you go to Luke four, there's the mandate for mission, isn't there? He He talks about the spirit of the Lord is now upon me. It's now upon me to preach good news and so forth, to bring bring hope to the nations. The church is on mission. It has a mission. Actually, to be more correct and more precise, it's God's mission. God has a mission. God, we can say, is the God of mission Or another way of saying it, he's a missionary God. He's on mission all the time in every place, in every situation, in every country, across all ethnicities, skin colour and in every setting imaginable. God has a mission and he is on mission right now. Actually, he's on mission as we're seated together here in this room. His mission is to redeem the lost. It has always been that way, the cross, the resurrection, the sending of the Spirit, all to redeem people, boys and girls, women and men for himself, for family. God is passionate about family, yeah? At the end of it all, when it's all wrapped up, when the consummation of all things happens, when God finally is seen to be king of everything, he is jealous for family. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you're part of his family. That's always been his plan. It's always been his purpose for his creation. So I think Beck will be putting a psalm up on the screen and I would like you to stand with me because we are going to say this together, all right? And if you want to be a little bit quirky and read it from your own Bible in a different translation, that would be awesome. But we're going to read it together. So this is Psalm 67. And uh, I will shout out the word may, but as I shout it out, you come in and join me, okay? As loud as you can. All right? Is that okay? Good. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God, May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Just remain standing for a second and we'll zelar. Zelah in Hebrews almost, well, people don't really know what it means except just stop and pause. And for just a moment, take it in, yeah? And if you want to close your eyes, just listen to these words again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Thank you for that. Please be seated. At the beginning of the psalm, there's part that we read that's actually in the text but we don't read it. It's actually an invitation to be ushered into the worship space and it opens out for us an invitation to praise. It's actually a song for the director of music, with stringed instruments. it's a, What you just read and read so beautifully together is actually a song of praise. It was meant to be sung, not just read, hey? It's meant to be sung. And actually, as you dig into the psalm, it was meant to be sung with a whole bunch of exuberance, like when the crows are living, winning football team. That's all right. That's the last of the football. It's all right. Relax. When you are really fired up for God, this psalm is inviting us into a space of exuberant praise because God has a mission. Praise will be involved. And the very first thing we learn from these ancient worship songs is that it's not against the rules to ask God for blessing. Did you know that? Sometimes we go along in church so much, we kind of miss out that we could actually ask God to bless us and to bless our families and to bless our communities and to bless our cities and to bless our nations. Now, it's a very easy temptation to see all that's wrong with the world and there's plenty. It's a very easy temptation to get into interceding about for things that aren't good, but we sometimes forget that God actually says, you can ask me to bless, yeah? You can actually pray for blessing for those in your schoolyard. You can pray for blessing for those you work with. You can do do that and it's not against the rules as far as God is concerned. In fact, he actually invites us into that place. The writer is full on. He wants God's blessing. He wants God's graciousness. He wants God's face to shine on them in worship. So over and over again, you would have heard in worship, Simon might do it today or I might or other people from time to time will say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Straight out of Numbers 6, it's what's called the Aaronic blessing. And this psalm kind of harkens back to that. The psalmist wants the face of God to shine on his people. That's an incredible thing to think about, that he would be writing and asking that they would sing and praise and shout to God about the very presence of God. So if there's nothing perhaps other than this that you take away today, and I hope you take away something out of the whole time we spent together, not just in the preaching but overall, that worship and praise is actually about the presence of God. And the end game is that God's face will be shining on his people and his people will reflect his glory. That's where you're going, people. That's why you're going to go walking up Bartholomew Road, handing out things in people's letterboxes, because we want them to know that almighty God is for them and on about them and his face wants to shine on them. And for them to know that, are you with me? Every time you look at another human being, you see the reflected image of God stamped on them. Thomas Smile wrote a book many years ago about the spirit called Reflected Glory. Now, I know sometimes we look and we say, oh, yeah, whatever, and and we see the brokenness, don't we? Yeah. but the image is still there. Hmm? But how about when God, God's face shines on you? The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's right here and now as well as the end going. So this is the opening to the song. And so coming to the theme, as a fellow called Gerald Wilson points out in one of the commentaries I read this week, application, NIV application commentary, he said the theme is about God's salvation throughout the earth and through, through, through all the earth and to all peoples. His God's salvation pushed out for us to see. The reason for blessing on the people of God is that God's ways and God's salvation would be known among the nations. That's worth praise. That's what we get excited about, yeah? Knowing God, knowing salvation. Do you know that? Do you know God and do you know his salvation? There's nothing more exciting than knowing God. And there's nothing more exciting than knowing God is still saving people. So I ask you the question, do you know him? Do you know you are saved? Do you know his ways? In a way, the whole Bible is about God's um, salvation, his amazing plan to bring fallen humanity back to himself. Theologians call it salvation history. Say that, salvation history. Salvation history. Yeah? The whole Bible is about God's absolute determination to save people from their sin, to redeem them, to bring him back to himself. From cover to cover, from beginning to end, the plan of God revealed to human beings, brought home in the sending of Jesus, seen in action by Jesus, the son of God, who gave his life for us, who died for us. His blood was poured out for us on the cross, sins forgiven right there and nowhere else. That's what God has always been on about, yeah? Why? So we could call God Father. Father. So we could live in Father's love. To be loved. Oh, to be loved. Oh, to be loved. Oh, to be be forgiven. Let me tell you something, folks, if you, if you are struggling with, with that whole thing and, and there's something out of your past that just keeps dogging you, let it go. God is a forgiving God. Just one little vestige of hanging on to something that you did way back there and not seeing that as dealt with at the cross will just hold you back. And it doesn't need to be that way. And the Father welcomes you home. He's not going to be reciting a catalogue of your sins. So there it is, people. As the psalm says, may the peoples praise you. What an invitation, hey? You come to worship today to to stand and to sing as Simon leads us or as other folks lead you or whoever it is, just just saying, you know, we're here to sing, we're here to praise God. What an invitation that is, to be asked to praise almighty God for his work and to praise him for him working out his salvation plan. So to actually praise him for this, there's a little bit of a distinction here from thanking him. We often thank God and we thank people, yeah? But there's another level when we actually praise people. We might say, thank you for what you've done, but to actually praise them, to put them up there, to lord them, that's quite that's quite a different thing in a way, isn't it? And here we're involved to to praise God, to be praising him. There's something here about letting go by the word, by the way the word that is used here implies a kind of a, a throwing a casting And i talked with with somebody who knows hebrew reasonably well this week and we sort of agreed together that there's something about action of the body involved in this praising so often we we tend to think well i yeah you know we can we praise we praise god with our um, with our voices, which is perfectly true. I just want to read you a little bit from a, a book that I've had for a long time by a fellow called John Taylor, and he talks about this word. The word is yada, but don't worry about that. It's just a word, right? It's a word that's used for praise. Uh, but he says um, this is the second most frequently occurring word translated praise in the Old Testament. the word The word means to worship with extended hands to throw out the hands to give thanks to God. And he goes on in that vein and cites some examples and he says, I want to be frank with you, understanding the risk of offence. This exercise is one of the most explosive and meaningful expressions of praise. And I believe, he says, that God loves it. The flesh hates it and the devil is devastated by it. I believe that with its exercise, faith stands firm, fear takes flight, and joy takes hold. Our hands are an inevitable part of almost every response pattern. And he goes on in that vein. Do you see what he's driving at? It's just, we're we're kind of like, we're not kind of muted people. When we praise God. Now, that doesn't mean we all got to jump around or do whatever. That's not that's not what I'm driving at. And that's not what I'm pushing at. I'm just simply saying the word, as the as the Hebrew mindset would have understood it, was there's something really exciting going on here. True. So if you make a century at cricket, the blokes on the boundary or the ladies on the boundary would be clapping their hands with joy. Something good happened here, true. Well, when we say we're praising God for his mission, we're saying something good is happening here. So may the peoples praise you. There it is, folks. What an invitation. As we let go in praise to God for his mission, this this praising God for his mission, by the way, according to the psalm, it's just not for the in crowd, you know, the beautiful people and all that. It's for people everywhere and it's for people Calling on God for God's rule and God's guidance or God's leading and for Him to guide and to, just, uh, to justly and uh, righteously lead His people. In fact, the whole earth. And I can only speak for myself at this point, but so I will. How I actually personally in here long for God to be seen to be in charge. I know that He's in charge. I've absolutely no doubt about God and his plan from way before eternity ever was to where it will be forever and ever. I have no doubt about any of that whatsoever, but I live in this gap period and some of the stuff I see worries me intensely. It shouldn't, but it does, right? You may be there, you may be not, but I'm talking about me. I long for God to be seen in charge. I long for for the rulers of the world to bow their knee to him. It's little wonder we struggle. And Jesus, way back there when he was riding into Jerusalem, said to his own people, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I long to get you under my wing, just as a mother hen her chicks, but you would not. Do you see? The longing in God for the nations to come under his rule because God can do it better. You know in your life that actually when you finally submitted to him, when you said, God, it's you or it's me and it will be you, when you finally come to that place of submission with him, how actually freeing it is and how good it is because you're not charging along in life all the time making your own decisions about everything. You've got the almighty... Heavenly Father, you can talk to. So come on now, praise him because he will do it. And in the psalm, the call to praise is repeated. Exact same words, let all the people praise the Lord and so forth. Same intensity, same intent. So looking down the future channel tunnel as only God can. The psalmist calls for the land to be productive. All the ends of the earth will fear him. God will bless us. There it is again. A psalm concerned, the commenced As it finishes, God will bless us. There is a link, folks, between giving God praise and knowing God's blessing. Hear this. I want you to hear this. Can I say, don't shy away from the blessing of God. He is a God who blesses his people and he wants to continually bless his people in all manner of ways. And sadly, sometimes we move away from that or beyond it. And there are very good reasons for that. We may have been hurt somewhere along the line or we've been stung by prosperity teaching or something that's out of kilter with the word of God or some version of getting what we want from God that just didn't work out too well for us, right? But that aside, God does and he wants to bless his people. Back there, it was the land Everything was about the land. Productivity in the land is everything. Even today, farmers love it. When they get together, they talk about the season. It's been a good season. It's been a shocker. Yeah? Did you know in 3 John, third little epistle of John, John writes, I hear about you and I actually trust that you're going well and that you're prospering. In good health and prospering sort of thing. Health mightn't be in there exactly, but you get the drift. I love this praising songwriter of the psalm. He's not afraid to say it's time to sing and it's time to praise God for his salvation. So, is it not time, HBL? Do you want me to finish the sermon? Yeah, of course you do. It's always time, isn't it? God is good. That's okay, but... We live in the 21st century, true? In fact, it's ripping along at a fast pace. Just ask anybody over 70 how quickly the time goes. Yet Psalm 67 is God's word, true? And God's word to us. The invitations to get involved in the mission and at the very least get on praising our wonderful God because he's still saving people, he's still working with the nations, he's still ruling, he's still guiding, he's still redeeming people. And if we look back with our New Testament glasses on, as my old mate Gavin Collinson used to say, with the benefit of all 2,000 or plus years of church history, we see that God has always been working. So I'm going to finish with three things. The first is God has always been on mission, and here it is, for God so loved the world, finish it for me, come on, that he gave his only... Him should not, but... Amen. That's it there, isn't it? That's the mission right there. And here are two examples of what that mission is like when it's worked out. First, we read in Acts chapter 2. You've been going through and we've been going through Acts chapter 2. As a church, the Holy Spirit comes. He falls on the church. The church is born. People are saved from their sin. Repentance, faith, baptisms. By the way, you been baptised yet. Don't know what's holding you back. We can find some water. There's justice. There's equality. Simply and profoundly, humanity is never the same after Pentecost. I trust we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. I love Pentecost Sunday. It's a ripper. The Holy Spirit comes, yeah? And we rejoice in terms of what the church is all about. This is the story, the community story of how God's mission touches communities. And now look at one person, and I'm sure we've talked about this. Acts chapter 3, the healing of the man at the temple gate, the gate beautiful. He's paralysed. He's without hope. He's without legs or perambulation. He has no money. He has no income. He's despised by many. He has no social security, just the help of a few faithful friends. Don't put up your hand if you're 40, but if you're 40, that's how long he's been like this. Then Peter and John come, don't they? Nothing to give you except this. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. God's mission right there. As Peter takes his hand and pulls him to his feet, he begins, and what does the Bible say he does? He walks and he leaps and praises God. As David Pawson used to say, he asked for arms and he got legs. You got that one, did you, child? (laughs) Well, they don't get any better. (laughs) Touching communities, touching individuals, touching you, touching you. Did you notice in Psalm 67, verse 4, that our psalmist talks about the joy of it? So easy to miss it. I read a commentary from the old Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, back in so many years, back in the 1850s and whatever, famous Baptist preacher. He reminded me of the joy... (laughs) It's the joy of what God's on about. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's praise God. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Praise God for his mission, yes? Let's say that together. Praise God for his mission. And then there's another word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you in? Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast.